Lesson number one from Genesis chapter three, verses eight through 15. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Genesis 12, one through three. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in the manger. From Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at her words, at the sorry, at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. From Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. A reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and 10 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to this text and our time of reflection this morning, God, would you reveal yourself to us through your word? Would you help us to recognize you? And as we recognize you, would you help us to receive you? And Lord, as we receive you, help us to believe. Thank you for being present with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So now is the time of reflection this morning. And so I think reflection is quite the apt word for this portion of our service because we're talking about the light and the light reflects. This Christmas season, I've been thinking a lot about light. And let me tell you, I'm in this season of life with four kids, right? We have from seven years old down to seven months. And it is chaos. (laughs) It's delightful. It's delightful. It's delightful. But it truly is chaos. It is delightful chaos, especially this Christmas season, especially um, just with everything going on with all the festivities of Christmas. And we find ourselves each and every day uh, having to clean up at the end of the day. I would love to stand up here and tell you all that our kids are so well-trained that they put all their things away at the end of the day and they brush their teeth without complaint and they even tuck themselves in and go to sleep quietly, but that's not the case. It is uh, chaos every night as we put them to bed and then we look around and the house is a mess. So at some point, we spend 45 minutes to an hour cleaning the entire house every single night just to do it again the next day. And so I'm the last one to go to bed. Usually I'm locking up and turning out the lights. And recently, during the Christmas season, I found myself with the Christmas tree as the last thing lit up in our home. Lots of 
little lights and the windows and the mirror reflecting, and it's quite beautiful. So I'll sit next to the tree and just take a breath, or I'm so exhausted that I just can't wait to lean down and unplug that tree and in the dark and by the light of my phone, kind of find my way back to the bedroom. Well, sometimes I have forgotten my cell phone when locking up. And so I pull out that plug and it is pitch dark. And so I know my home well enough. I kind of step past the blue chair on the left and I work my way through the archway and find my way back to our room. But there have been a few times that I have right into the closed door and made a loud noise and woken a sleeping baby. (laughs) Or another time recently, I was in our dark room and I just jammed my toes off the corner of the bed. If you know what that feels like, it is not fun. It hurts and I'm writhing on the floor in pain, trying not to yell. See, in the familiarity of my own home, in familiar territory, I still need light to see where I'm going. So if that's the case in familiar territory, how much more in unfamiliar unfamiliar territory or in a new season do we need light to guide our way? And so this morning we get to look at the text, John chapter one, and this is a beautiful text. It's about Jesus being the light. Jesus has always been the light. In fact, we see light come up in the scripture in the very first chapter of the Bible. It's actually quite fascinating. If you take this chunk of verses, verses one through five in John and go boom, 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 and line it up with Genesis chapter one, verses one through five, boom, 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 boom. You just see, it's like they go hand in hand. It's as if John is actually giving another creation account, all the beauty and all of the majesty and all the power of God in creation has always been about Jesus. And John is putting an exclamation point on that here this morning for us. He is saying that light that existed when God spoke everything into existence is the same light that shines today in Jesus. And that light is actually finding his way into the world. He is stepping into the world that he created. So John is shining a light on Jesus and we get to see him this morning. It says in verse four, in him was the life, sorry, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. This got me thinking about what was the world like when Jesus stepped into it? I think it was pretty dark. We talk about the intertestamental period, the period of 400 years between the Old and the New Testament where God was silent. And we see that in creation, God spoke. It is his word that brings life. So where God speaks, there is life. And then where God speaks, there is light, we see. And so in that 400 year period, If God is not speaking, then I can imagine it was probably pretty lifeless. It was probably quite dark. And if you think about that, this is the people of God. Israel has this history with God. They are the people of promise. 
They have this history of exodus, right? They were captive and they were brought free. They came back and they rebuilt the temple. They have this history of renewal. They have this history of communal life together with God at the center of it. And that is the people that God is silent to. And so some of us might feel that same way, right? Yesterday, we celebrated Christmas. We celebrated Jesus coming as the light to a manger. But a day later, even after all of the lights and the festivities and the reminders of God's goodness and presence with us, it might still feel quite dark. Like, man, something should have changed through all this celebration, but there are still things that aren't right in the world. There are still things that aren't right in my relationships. There are still things that aren't right in me. And so what is his answer to darkness? And it's not just an answer for the darkness out there. It's an answer for the darkness in here. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. God came and dwelled among us. And we need that. I work with college students and let me tell you, there are many men and women who go to bed asking questions of God, where are you? God, do you hear my cries? And they wake up in the morning and they say, do I have enough strength for today? Anxiety is just gripping them. And so they join the psalmist in Psalm 13 that says, how long, O Lord, how long will it always be this way? And not just back then at one point in time, does Jesus come to dwell with us? He still dwells with us today. That is his answer to darkness his very presence with us back then and with us today. Jesus actually said when later in the book of John, he said, it's actually better for me to go and to be with the father. So he ascends and he says, it's good because when I ascend, then I'm gonna send you a helper, a Holy Spirit, one who will guide you. On Christmas Eve, we talked about how Jesus was bound by space and time in a body, right? But when he goes and ascends and he's with the father, he gives you and he gives me the Holy Spirit so that anywhere a willing heart, a willing person, a willing child of God will go there, his light goes also. So it's a good thing that Jesus is sitting on his throne right now because we have his Holy Spirit and we are charged to reflect his light in the world. And this progression just stood out to me as as we look at this text this morning, that the recognition, the receiving, and the believing. Let's recognize where Jesus is still working. And I think about receiving isn't just like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's go. I actually think about an embrace, like receiving Jesus. When you embrace someone, when you have a good hug, man, when, I, when my kids wrap their arms around my leg, it's like, I don't know where I begin and they end. Let's, let's embrace Jesus this year and this season and always in such a way 
that when people see us, they can't tell where we end and he begins. That's how united with Christ we're intended to be. And then as a result of that, people look at us reflecting him and they believe with us and they join us in reflecting his light to a watching world. I'll end with this one last story. When I was in college, I did landscaping one summer and it was grueling, grueling work. We'd wake up early and there were long days. And one of the old timers would always make fun of the young guys who were driving the truck because they would look over their shoulders or even 180 degrees out the back window to see where they were going when they were backing up the truck. And he would say, what's in the mirror is actually there, right? So he was just encouraging, use your side mirrors, use the mirror, like it's actually there. Brothers and sisters, let's be the type of believers that when people see our reflection, people say, what's in the reflection is actually there. Jesus came and dwelled among us, but now with his Holy Spirit, he dwells in us. He is actually here and he will cast out darkness as he continues to shine in your life today and always. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us, shining light in our darkness. Help us not to hide from you, but step into that light and receive the forgiveness you offer, for you are full of grace and truth. May we also, as your followers, be full of grace and truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.